0: What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Grit Fitness and Performance Podcast. Uh, As always, I'm your host, Chris Sanchez, and today O'Shane uh, joins me, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, programming and how to go about your training and how to program it based on how many days you're going for, what your goals are, what you're looking to get out of uh, your training and your time spent in the gym, and how to best structure your workout and your training split to get the most bang. For your buck. So, as always, if you guys enjoy the podcast, um, you know, share it with your friends, like it, review it, if um, if that's possible on whatever platform you listen to it. And of course, if you uh, want to learn more about us, go to gritfitnessandperformance.com. And even better yet, if you go to our social media page and you click uh, click on that link in our. Uh, bio you can give us a vote for South Jersey's best gym for the second year in a row obviously that's greatly appreciated uh, and every vote uh, matters so if you guys like us and you want to kind of help us out um, feel free to do that so uh, O'Shane how are you doing today Uh, doing well Uh, just ate so you know another day yeah so he's not grumpy anymore So he's got some food in his belly he's ready to go uh, talk about programming um all right. So, um so like I said today we're going to talk about programming kind of like the best practices. Um and um Shane and I will kind of go back and forth with, you know, what we think is best and how most people should be going about, you know, their training in the gym um in order to, you know, best achieve, you know, the results that they're after. Um so I'll I'll start and then Oshane you can kind of like dive in and offer your two cents. Um so, getting right into it, when it comes to programming for a training program, um, I think there are certain staples. There are like certain things that you must do um, in order to achieve the best results, and they're what I call like you know the staples of training. And those staples, right off the bat, are you have to include um, some form of a squat variation, some form of a hinge variation um lunge or maybe if you want to be a little bit more broad single leg work um a push a pull a carry and then i guess to uh put it in a very general term um some form of explosive power um work whether that be a throw or a sprint or anything uh along the those lines um so that's typically how matt and i approach things when we open grit but O'Shane, what are your thoughts based on everything that i've just laid out do you agree do you disagree
1: no i completely agree i think uh those are the staple in terms of getting a workout in i think like uh one of the things you'll notice like a lot of uh, newer folks when they go to the gym they will focus more on oh i want my arms to look good to probably focusing on bicep curls or stuff like that i say even though those stuff are good because you know everybody wants their arms to look good you want to focus on the basic stuff which are going to like set the foundation for you for a
0: successful long term yeah absolutely and um yeah i i think a lot like kind of like what you said a lot of people have these it's basically aestheticals i think a majority of the population approaches their training with their physique in mind and they want to look really good Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pick on the guys for a second because I think it's more them than it is ladies Um, but they tend to focus more so on the mirror muscles so when you look in front of a mirror you see your pecs you see your abs you see your biceps you know you see the front part of your shoulders and those are the things that guys are going to prioritize because they see them like that's what they see so that's what they want to look good but when it comes to you know, performing at your most optimal level, um, you, you like you have to address all those staples and you can't just focus on the things that are going to make you look good. Because if you do that, you're going to run into imbalance issues. And then when you're imbalanced, you run into higher risk of injury um, and all sorts of kind of these bad things are going to happen when you don't have like a structured training program to follow and i think that's where a lot of beginners or novices will run into it is they don't they're not aware of all these staples that they need to hit in order to function optimally as a human like yeah you might look good but some of these guys with like rippling pecs and you know six pack abs they have a lot of issues going on that they don't know how to fix and they tend to just keep hammering the same things over and over and over you know and i think the saying goes like if the only tool you have in your toolbox is a hammer like you're not going to be able to fix a lot of problems um so now going off of those staples o'shane Is there anything that you would add um, maybe as maybe not quite a staple, but things that you think people should be adding into their program? So, for example, I have maybe like direct core work as a staple. And I know a lot of people say, you know, you can get that from deadlifting and squatting. But I think depending on the context, you might benefit more from direct core work. Or is there anything, you know, miscellaneous that's like a small staple in your book? Yeah, I mean, I think there are a
1: few. Uh, I definitely think, uh, especially, like, for newer clients who doesn't have, like, as stable as a core, doing some form of, like, core exercise will help uh, benefit because it will get their core stronger so they can perform these bigger lifts. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I do think that, I do think that is uh, valuable. I also think uh, proper warm-up, based off, like, what you're going to be doing on that specific day, right, is another thing that, you know, shouldn't be ignored. Um I do think you need some form of cardio, not a ton of cardio. Uh, You need something that's going to help build up your uh, VO2. So Mm -hmm. that is something that uh, I would focus more on. Is my VO2 improving more than am I on the treadmill
0: for an hour? Right. Gotcha. All right. So let's revisit the warm-up really quick um, because I do think it is important. I think it's a neglected aspect of a lot of people's pro I think I think too many people walk into the gym and they do a couple like you know side bends with their neck a couple arm circles and then they think they're ready to go so, what, in your opinion, constitutes like a, a really good warm up? Are there? Do you have like a certain, um, I guess, outline to a warm up that you go through, or is it depending on the day? Like, for example, let's say someone's going through a full body warm up. Like, what's your like go to warm up strategy? Are you like focusing well, on certain things?
1: Well, one thing I will always say is, and uh, you know, it's funny because I was listening to uh, Mike Boyle talk the other day, and one thing he uh, said that got me laughing he's like he's never met a person in their 40s or 50s who complain that the amount of warm-up or uh recovery work they do is too much yeah. so i think you know we we'll, our future self will always thank us for that stuff but uh in terms of like a full body i mean i always think like you know foam rolling stuff like that helps um depending on uh if you're gonna be doing a full body you want to make sure you uh go joint by joint uh, warm the joints up Uh, Get your core ready for uh, the work that's coming ahead. Uh, And I think you'll notice a big difference in terms of like how you're moving, how you're actually lifting.
0: Definitely. And I like that you say go joint by joint because I know Mike Boyle is like a big proponent of the joint by joint approach. Um, and I know when I take my clients through a warm up, I do keep that in mind of the joint by joint. And if you're not familiar with this, if you're kind of like new to exercise and you're listening to this for the first time, the theory is that if you look at the body and you take a joint by joint approach, there's basically starting from the ankle it alternates between your body needs mobility and then the next joint up needs stability so if you start at your ankle you need your ankle to be very mobile in order to perform things like squats adequately and then when you go up the next joint is the knee you need that knee to be very stable and then you go up to the hip you need mobility and then you go to the low back stability you go to the t-spine and it's just alternating between points of mobility and stability so i know like when i give my clients full body warm-up routines, I try to address that. I try to make sure that they get some form of ankle mobility, some form of hip mobility, and some form of T-spine mobility, while at the same time giving them something for knee stability, something for their core. Um, so just addressing all of those points. Now, obviously, if you have someone coming in and they're only going to do lower body workouts, you can probably focus your warm up on that, and then vice versa. If they're doing something, str- you know, specifically for upper body, maybe you don't have to spend so much time on the hips and whatnot. But I do think a lot of people neglect it, and I do think kind of like what you said, which is funny because I think you know I'm getting to the age now where if I don't warm up, like I definitely. Feel shittier during that lift. And funny enough, the days where I do get like a solid warm up in, I tend to feel better and I tend to perform better. And it's just a tough, you know, tough pill to swallow that you're not 21 anymore and you can't just, you know, dive into what you want to dive into. Um, but I think they're all good, good points. Um, are there any other, you know, I guess, mini staples that we haven't covered that you think more people need to be getting into? I know you said cardio. Um, um, you know, when you're prescribing cardio to your people, are you recommending high intervals? Are you doing medium intensity stuff? Is it long, slow, um, you know Um typically cardio
1: because I mean most my clients are always they're working class, they don't have as much time to so to start out they'll start out with a little bit more uh, steady state. Um I normally don't have them go more than five to eight, ten minutes. Right. The most. Uh, from there, we'll once we get a base with that, normally then we'll switch to more intervals. So try to get the heart rate up, try to have that recovery, and then repeat. So it's all about... That's kind of like the goal is to add some... Is can they feel like right, my VO2 max went from X number to Y number? And they could physically... Like, they could feel it. They could feel it during their lift. They
0: could feel it when they're outside of here. Like, that's the goal. Right. So now... I know when you talk about VO two max, so like, you know, if you have access to it, um, like I know they had it at lifetime, you're able to actually measure it, but for, you know, the general population client who has never measured their VO two max, is there a way that you assess these people or are there markers you're looking for to actually, you know, see if they're improving or is it largely just a, you know, let's see how you feel type of thing or like recovery rate, um is there any certain metric that you kind of use with your clients so i mean uh one of the quickest ways i use
1: is a uh, heart rate mm-hmm. so i will look at like say if i put them on the bike for a mile and be like all right let's see what your time is i'll look at what were their max during that uh,
0: mile and then see how fast they are recovering right. from that mile okay gotcha um yeah I, I i mean obviously i feel the same way that you do for cardio And, um, I usually tell all my people, regardless of their goals, I think everyone should go for a daily walk 10 to 20 minutes, just because I think it's the lowest hanging fruit when it comes to, um, just so many benefits to walking. Like it's obviously not going to be an immediate change in your body but if done every single day like you're getting a a ton of low intensity joint friendly um cardiovascular work that's going to benefit you in the long run when it comes to fat loss when it comes to decreasing your stress when it comes to just building up that aerobic base slowly but surely um and I'm also a fan of kind of the intervals just because you're right the the clients that we work with they don't have a ton of time to, you know, dedicate 60 minutes to cardio every single day, especially if you've got a job and you've got kids and you have, you know, other obligations outside of work and kids. It's just, it's tough. So personally, that's why I say everyone should take at least a 10 minute walk every day. Like if you can't dedicate 10 minutes of your day to just taking a simple walk and enjoying outside and just kind of getting sunlight and that natural vitamin D, I think your priorities are a little out of whack, but again, that's just me. Um, All right. So moving on, when it comes to an ideal training split, meaning how you actually organize your, you know, your training and your programming, um, what do you think is the ideal training split, O'Shane? I know that's a very broad question.
1: I mean, uh, for when I, w- I think over the years, I think that's changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I've realized is, I think if you can get in three four days is i'd say optimal yeah uh if you can you only can get two days and we can try to work make it work but if you want for the best i think three to four days is pretty much where you want to, the ballpark because you have enough days to recover but
0: you also have enough days to put in the amount of strength work need to achieve your goals right so all right, let's say a client comes to you and they say, I'm ready for four times a week training. So how would you split that up for them in terms of what they're training on those days? Um, typically either we could go like our upper or lower versus
1: I mean this all that's just one variation or they could do maybe one or two full body days and then one upper, one lower. Right. Um But it, it all depends on like what are the clients goals. Um, where they currently level are at. Because um, the goal is to sometimes just starting them off with upper or lower, they could get a little bit too sore. Right. So maybe just a more lighter, full-body day might actually need to start out. It just depends on like where does a client at, at that moment.
0: Right. And I think it was – I'm going to credit Mike Boyle. I don't know if he said this, but I think it was Mike Boyle. Um, whatever. It was one of the more well-known fitness guys, and they basically said – any question that you ask when it comes to health and fitness or nutrition, the answer is always, it depends. So like, even though we're talking about like, what's the best split for training, kind of like O'Shane already said, like it it really depends on what the client's goals are, what they're looking to get out of training, where they're currently starting. So like, you know, if you like exactly like just he said, if you have a beginner and they're coming in and they wanna work out four days a week, like an upper lower split like might murder them and it might leave them like completely crippled for a week and a half just because they're not accustomed to doing that. So maybe starting them off with a full body routine at a lighter intensity. Um, But it all depends on kind of where that client's at and then what their goals are. I know typically for me, I know Shane already said this, like bare minimum, I think everyone needs to be doing uh, a minimum of two days a week strength training, and I would typically go full body routines for that. Um, Better yet, three days a week would probably be even better. Um, And then anything past that point, four days a week, five days a week, six days a week, then you're getting into more of an upper lower split or even a body part split, especially if you're going like five days a week, which like if you're not an athlete or like a professional, you know, bodybuilder or like physique competitor, I don't know very many people that are training, strength training five days um, a week. Um, But um, other than that, um, just for the, I guess, general population client, are you more in favor of starting them off with full body routines? Um, would you prefer them to do upper lower? Let's say, let's just assume someone comes to you injury free. Um, they haven't really worked out in a long time. Um, and they're kind of just getting started. And they want to go four days a week. Are you going upper lower split right away? Or are you going to go full body, full body, upper lower? Like what's your approach to that?
1: Um, In that scenario, I'd
0: probably go two full bodies and one upper, one lower. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of days of the week, like how would you split that up to ensure that they're recovering the the best way possible?
1: Well, I always tell clients, especially like starting out, you always want to do the first two days back to back only because if you get that day between, I know that. Third your day, you're like probably going to be questioning if I should be going in. Yeah. But I always think like after that first day, you come in the second day and you move again. But by the third day, your body starts to get more acclimatized uh, to working out.
0: So it's a lot easier that way. Right. Absolutely. Um But so like, you know, now you guys have a better idea of like what splits look like. But remember, everything it depends on you. It depends where you're starting. It depends on what your goals are. Um, So if you guys ever need help or have any questions, like feel free to reach out directly to us and we'll be more than happy to talk shop and kind of guide you in the right direction or better yet, just come in and we'll plan everything for you. Um, So now when it comes to programming, um, I'd like to touch on some of the bigger mistakes that people make. Um, So, Let's assume someone's doing this on their own and they're you know, trying to not hire a trainer or whatnot because they think they know best. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you've seen people make when it comes to programming their own training routines?
1: So um, there's actually, it's a three actually. So the biggest things you will see is one, they don't program like enough volume mm-hmm. or they program too much volume or three, they're not programming the right they're not prescribing the right workout so instead of like as like we touched on this earlier where it's more the aesthetic that's what they're touching on right versus I'm gonna try to get better at the bigger lifts get stronger because mm. the aesthetic like those stuff will I mean they are good and at some point you will need to do that but
0: that shouldn't be the main focus of your workout right So when it comes to volume, I know you said it's either too much or too little. What is, I'll say for a beginner, um, because obviously the answer to this question is it depends. What is the sweet spot in terms of volume that you like to give your clients starting out for a typical workout?
1: Um, If it's someone where it's a really beginner, like I know the custom is, oh, do three sets of 10. But for me, it's sometimes two sets of six to eight reps is Maybe that's where they're at. I think it just depends on what uh, what client you're dealing with at that moment. Right. Uh, so I typically like first after, you know, bring them through the assessment, uh, first few weeks just to kind of really hammer it down. Uh, I normally like to start out with mostly two sets mm-hmm. uh, just to get their body moving because uh, the goal is to not make them too sore. Right. Because I think, you know, if it's someone who's working out for a long period of time, soreness is not That it much of an issue if it's someone who is like on the fence working out in the first place. Pretty sure they're more likely going to stop.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny you say that too because I'm I'm the same exact way. Like if I have a new person who hasn't worked out in a long time, I purposely tell them I'm like, listen, the first session is probably going to be easy. Like you're gonna think it's not gonna be enough, and then we end up doing two sets of something, um, and like you know it's it's really not that bad of a workout but because they're so unaccustomed to doing anything they come in the next day and they're like dude i am so fucking sore from whatever it was body weight squats and trx rows and whatnot um and i like that what you said like you don't want to murder people like right away because then th- that's what they're automatically going to assume every session is going to feel like and then in order to you know, establish any sort of consistency where they're doing it over and over and over, like right off the bat, that takes a hit. And it's like, it's one of the worst things you can do because honestly, consistency is what's going to be the best thing for all of these people. Um, So we talked about volume. What was the second point you said mistake? Uh, Too much volume, too much volume. So in your eyes, what would be too much volume for someone coming in? So I, I know like, you know, big misconception like
1: say if, like deadlifting mm-hmm. people might say oh well, let's do 10 sets of 10 or like stuff like that it's even though at some you I mean those workouts do serve their purpose i think for the general population in terms of like what they're trying to do and what you're trying to accomplish
0: it's just too much right yeah i would agree and i think it was either i think it was dan john or pavel satsulin where they said when you're programming the bigger lifts like squats and deadlifts i think it was either the rule of 10 or the rule of 15 it was basically like 15 like that's what you should be shooting for so it should either be three sets of five five sets of three um or like three sets of three somewhere within that range and if you go past that point you tend to have done too much like you really need to just get after it for those three uh, three to five sets, and then be done with it. If you're doing like, you know, eight sets of five or whatever, like the only people who I know who do that are competitive power whose sessions are going to last like two and a half hours. And kind of like what you said, the regular person doesn't have that kind of time to be doing it. And I think a lot of people will see tons of results from, you know, kind of sticking to that rule of 10 or rule of 15, whatever it was. Um, and just... You know, it's, I've almost taken a less is more approach with a lot of my people um, just because I adhere to the line of thought of, you know, if you can achieve something with three sets, like why do the fourth? You know what I mean? So there's no point in doing that extra fourth set if you can see results by only doing three. And I think, you know, I think a lot of people enjoy working out, so they want to do that fourth and that fifth set. Um, but a lot of times I think it's probably largely unnecessary for a lot of people, especially especially if you 're just starting out um, other than volume um, any mistakes that you notice? I feel like there was one more that you said after that so it was uh
1: we said so it was not 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 enough right, and then it was too, too much. much and then
0: something else after that wasn't it yeah, there was actually one more there was one more, and i can 't remember what it was. Yeah. um anyway you think about that and then I'll, I'll talk about one of my mistakes um well i think you kind of touched on this too where it was basically like a poor ratio of front to back so like the muscles on the front side of your body versus the back side of your body um and we touched on this earlier in the beginning i think a lot of people in their programming are going to have a lopsided ratio of chest abs biceps shoulders compared to work on their upper back, their triceps, their glutes, their hamstrings and whatnot, just because you can't really see those muscles on a daily basis. So you, you know, out of sight, out of mind for the most part. But ironically, the muscles on the backside are the muscles that are going to be the ones that are going to increase your performance. They're going to be the ones that tend to kind of stave off injuries in the long run. Those are going to be the ones that kind of help your posture. um, And they basically just build resiliency Um, just overall, like they tend to, I'll use the term bulletproof you. Um, but that's kind of what I've seen in, in my experience is that it's mostly, mostly the guys is they spend too much time programming, too much time working, um, the front side and they need to kind of prioritize their backside. And then this is especially true for. I'll say largely everyone in the country now, because you think about what they do on a daily basis. They wake up, they sit down in their car, they drive to work for 30 minutes. They get to work, they sit down for eight hours, and then they leave work, they drive home another 30 minutes, and then they get home and then they sit down a little bit more. So basically what you're doing is all those muscles on the front side of their body are stuck in this contracted position. So they're getting tighter just because they're in that position 24-7. And then the muscles on the backside of your body are relaxed 24-7. So they become weaker. And then when you go to the gym and then you work these already tight muscles, they become even tighter and the muscles on the backside of your body get even weaker. And then you turned into this just mangled up, messed up, just clusterfuck of a person And then people come to us and they're like, yeah, I've got some shoulder pain. I've got some neck pain. I've got some hip pain. And, you know, I work out and I'm doing everything that I should be doing. And then they tell you what they're doing. It's like, well, four sets of 10 on the bench press and then four sets of 10 on the bicep curl. And you're like, well, well, there's probably your problem. But that's kind of one of the biggest things that I've seen. I don't know if you have had any experience with that and, you know, with your clients. Um, But I, I think more people just need to spend more time giving a little bit of extra love to their back, to their butt, to their hamstrings. And I think they'd be better off for it. Uh, Anything to add to that point?
1: No, I completely agree. Um, So that's one of the things that I I don't really tell clients this, but in terms of programming, I always program where we do more pull than Mm -hmm. push. Yeah. Because that is something, especially like for posture-wise and how we are with smartphones and that stuff. Yep. That's why I always do that because it
0: helps overall with their health. Right. So do you have like a specific ratio in mind? I know like some people recommend like a two-to-one um, pull-to-push or maybe even like a three-to-one. Do you kind of have that in mind or is it generally just uh, more? I do one and a half times the amount of pull-to-push. Okay. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I'm pretty much the same way. And I think one of the mistakes I made early on in my training career is I – I didn't emphasize horizontal pulling enough. So like basically just rowing exercises where, you know, if you have something in front of you, you're basically pulling it towards your chest. And I was throwing in a lot of chin up variations and a lot of pull up variations. And what I failed to realize early on was that even though it's a pull and like you want to prioritize pulling because it's the backside part of your muscle, I failed to realize that a lot of these people didn't have the shoulder mobility to really do it properly. And even though I thought I was doing something correctly, like people's shoulders were so tight that they couldn't get their arms up overhead. So, you know, I'm like, Oh, okay, we're going to avoid pushing because they don't have the mobility to do that. But in my naive young state, I was like, well, we're going to pull anyway. But I was, it, it ended up being not great for a lot of clients and they were running into like issues and whatnot. And I think I was putting them in ranges of motion that they didn't have, but I thought I was doing the best thing because they were pulling. So one of the things I've come to realize over the course of the last you know five or so years is that uh, most people probably need to prioritize horizontal pulling, meaning just general rows, TRX rows, um, single arm rows, dumbbell rows, um, and I think that will probably help fix a lot of their problems. But that was just one of the mistakes that I've made. And now I make sure that before I give deadlift, or before I give deadlift, before I give chin up variations or any sort of like overhead pull, that people actually have that mobility to even do it going forward. Um, um, what else are we talking about? So uh, another mistake that I think I've noticed is that I know we're talking about like programming and how to do it but i think one of the biggest mistakes people can make is that they don't program anything and then they literally just wing it every single time they go to the gym and i mean this is a terrible way to go about things because you're 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 basically just throwing shit against the wall and seeing what sticks and the only way to really make progress when it comes to your training is to you know repeat the same thing for a period of whatever. It could be three to five weeks, three to six, if like you're a real beginner and then slowly just progress past that point. So have you ever run into this issue before where you've dealt with a client who told you what they're doing or what they've done in the past and they really don't have an answer for you at all? Oh, I've run into a ton of clients like that. Yeah. So what do you, what do you tell that person, uh, in order to like politely tell them that they've been doing it incorrectly for a long time?
1: Well, I mean, one of the things that, I will, You know, I'll just use, like, example of, like, school. Um, if you show up to a class, I'm pretty sure the professor gave you a syllabus on the first day. Yeah. And uh, if you didn't, you probably were upset wouldn't be like, what am I going to be doing for the whole semester? You right. would know what you're doing. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a great example of that's probably why you were successful in school. And I think you have to look at training the same way as how you look at school in terms of there is a plan and there is a progression of how I'm going to learn this material or how I'm going to acquire all this skill over a period of time. Right. So there has to be, like, a plan mapped out of, like, all right, I'm going from A to B.
0: Mm. Yeah. And I think it's kind of like, um, you know, I heard the story of, like, how Kobe Bryant approached his training. And he would... You know, like a lot of onlookers would look at the stuff he was doing, and you know, he's the best basketball player on the planet. And they would look at his training regimen, and he was doing like these very basic, like dribbling drills, very basic layup drills, very basic shooting drills, but he would do them over and over and over and over and over until it was like automatic for the most part. And the problem with training, when you don't have a program and you don't work on the staples that we kind of outlined in the beginning is like, you're not developing the skills necessary to do these things correctly. You're not going to spend enough time to progress in weight or progress in reps. Um, and your results are going to suffer from it. So like, even if you're not program or not programming actively, I think another bad thing that a lot of people do is they program hop. They'll do like, one week of this program and then they'll see something shiny and bright and new and exciting and then they'll go do that program for two weeks and then they see something else on instagram and then they go do that program for two weeks um so like what would you say to that person who kind of programs but they're hopping around from one to the next to the next like how would you kind of set them straight
1: well in that instant uh because, you know, that is probably the biggest issue in the fitness industry right now. Yeah. Uh, people don't realize, like, especially the ones who are, for the people who do fitness that are extremely successful are the ones who, the basic. The basic is what gives you the result. Right. It's like, if it's like, for instance, like you're deadlifting. If I'm not deadlifting at least once a week for a year, like, how do I get better at it? Right. Like, how do my number go, numbers go up? Uh, I have to be, the goal is to like, I got to think is like, am I a master of deadlifting or am I just an apprentice? Yeah. And the, and that's the mindset you have to have with like training is the basic exercises. Am I, every day can say, you know what? I got a little bit better at this exercise. Right. Because if at the end of the year, say if you were training for a year and you could say, you know what? I at I got a lot better at five exercises. I think you'd be in a better position than, say, if you tried 100 exercises, but you were not really any good at any of them.
0: Right. Yeah, because then it becomes uh, almost like a uh, jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none type of thing. Like, you're good at – you're, like, semi-good at a lot of things, but you're not great at any of those things. And the thing with, like, the staples of training, too, is, is like, if you can master the basic squat, if you can master the basic hinge and all of these very fundamental things – all of the fancier, sexier things that you see on Instagram become way more accessible, way more doable. And then you can kind of play around every once in a while. If you see something on Instagram, you're like, oh, that looks kind of cool. Like maybe I'll try that just for shits and giggles. And then you're in a much better spot physically. Um, You're not gonna risk injury, but like, it's very true. Like the best programming and the best training And I'm going to use the word boring, but like it is, it's the same thing, like over and over and over with like slight tweaks and slight variations here and there. So it's, it's basically just those staples done over and over and over. And as long as you're getting 1% better every day, every week, every month, like whatever it may be over time, you're going to see those big results. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, almost investing. So like if you earned like half a percent on your investment, you know, in, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but like those slow and small changes are going to add up big time instead of like trying to invest in some random cryptocurrency and strike it rich. You know what I mean? Like that's going to fail 99 times out of a hundred, um, in terms of mistakes, any other thing that you think people need to hear about or anything that we haven't touched on? Um, yeah, so uh, when we talk about, like,
1: the vanity muscles, mm-hmm. um, definitely, like, not f- too much too much focus on that in the front end. I think that could be a big issue because, one, if your body is not, like, stabilized or strong enough, it, you won't get the results you're looking. Like, it's like you sit down and I'm like, right, I'm going to do a thousand crunches every day. Sure, your abs might, you might get a little bit stronger in the core, but it doesn't really do that much for you in the grand scheme of things right
0: so how would you i guess how would you adjust that to uh better i guess make a better training program you know what i mean like what tweaks would you make so like i i think i know where this is headed um and in my notes i wrote basically there's needs that people need to address in their training program and then there's once so like obviously clients come to us and they say i want to achieve a b and c but we know as trainers in order to get there they probably need to work on one two and three in order to get there you know what i mean right so all right so like give you a perfect example like that's a great
1: great point so like someone comes in they're like all right i want my arms to look better
0: mm-hmm
1: we know that if we can get that person to do a chin-up, say, in six months, if they're doing a chin-up, working their biceps. Right. So they're still going to be working their arms, but also going to be working their back. hmm And they're probably going to feel better about themselves because they'd be able to do a, probably a chin-up for the first time. Right. So, I mean, we've just accomplished two to three things in one movement. Exactly. Versus if we just
0: focus on bicep
1: curls. Right.
0: Yes, you're getting more bang for your buck when you work on the staples, because all of those smaller things that a lot of people want to work on, they're basically already wrapped into the basics and the foundations and the staples. So, like, I know I was working with someone once, um, basically said, like, uh, they were getting married. They said, I really want my arms to look good in my dress, which is totally fine. Like, uh, we will get that. Um, But I still made sure the first six things that we were doing were all the staples. They were rowing. They were doing chin-ups. They were doing push-ups. They were doing bench press variations, like whatever it may have been. And then at the end of the session, the last 10 minutes, then I gave them the stuff that they wanted to work on, the bicep curls, the tricep press downs, because we hit what they needed to do. And then I gave them a little bit of what they wanted to do. So in my eyes, that's a good way of just kind of retaining clients because, you know, you're giving them what they need because you've, this is what you do. But then you're also giving them a little taste of what they want to do. And it just helps with consistency. um, And it gives them a little bit of, you know, I'll I'll use the word enjoyment out of the session. Um, But yeah, I think most people, they need to suck it up and do what they need to do before what they want to do. Um, In terms of mistakes, we pretty much cover everything. Um, Also think too much cardio. Oh, yeah, that was another one. I wrote that down, but I didn't read it. Um, Okay, so I'll I'll let you touch on this one first. So in your opinion, what constitutes too much cardio? I'll say whatever in a week. Um, I think if your program is over 50% of cardio, they're probably doing too much. I would agree with that. hundred percent, I guess, unless you're specifically like running, running a marathon and that's pretty much the only example I could ever think of, of when you would need more than 50% of your, um, training to constitute of cardio. Um, but, um, you know, kind of going along the same lines of like what too much cardio is. So in terms of actually like a seven day split, because I get this I get this question asked all the time. So, how many days a week would you dedicate to specifically focusing on cardio, or do you not do any? Do you mix it in with your training? I
1: mean, if you, I would say if you do have, like, say, if, depends on, like, if it's just like a regular client who's just trying to lose weight, and say they have the time, say if they were doing four days of training and they have time to do cardio, then I'd say, hey, if you can, maybe an extra one or two days of cardio, right, for.
0: 25, 30 minutes. I think that's good enough. They don't don't need anything more than that. I would agree with that. Um, But yeah, I mean, just to keep things like super basic, I think more, most people, if not all people, unless you have a specific endurance goal that requires you to do a lot of cardio, most of your programming should revolve around strength training so I like the way Ben Bruno puts this is he basically says like strength training if you were to if you were to approach your programming as a meal at a restaurant strength training is the steak you know it's the main thing on your plate cardio are the sides next to it like no one goes to a steakhouse because they really like you know the asparagus you go to the steakhouse because you want to eat A good filet or a good whatever it may be Um, so I think a lot of people just need to approach their training like that your strength training is the the meat or like the main focus of your your dish and then everything else is kind of just side dishes at that point so kind of going against what we just talked about in terms of like biggest mistakes we're gonna talk about some of the best practices like just generally Um, good things that most people should be doing when it comes to um, programming. So I'll start just to kind of get the conversation, I guess, going. But I think when it comes to training or when it comes to programming your training, I think a lot of people need to get better at undulating their intensities. And what I mean by that is a lot of people are very gung ho and they're very enthusiastic and they're very motivated to get started with a training program. So it's basically like Monday through Saturday, balls to the wall, a hundred percent all out effort. Every single day I'm giving it everything I got, which is like very admirable, but it's also very kind of like similar to how CrossFit approaches things where it's like every day you're setting a new record every day. You're pushing it every day. You're puking every day. You're going to crawl out of here. And what happens is a lot of those people will end up in physical therapy because they haven't given their body a chance to recover properly. And they're basically just flooring it, so to speak, and their engine burns out to use a car analogy. So like one of the things I like to tell my clients is I'm like, look, if Monday and Tuesday you're going super hard, whether it's with sprints, whether it's lifting weights or whatnot, on that third day, I would like you to back it down just a little bit just so you can give your body a chance to recover and then get past that baseline of fitness so that you basically are at a better point of where you started. And then you can push it again and then recover and push it again. So basically, I think what I'm just trying to say is people, they don't emphasize recovery like how they should. Have you ever run into this issue before?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think that's one of the biggest things uh, in terms of managing clients, because a lot of them don't realize like, Most of my time, like, there are sessions where my intensity needs to be lower. Right. And not that I think you're not doing great. It's just for the body to get the optimal. Like, sometimes it's about, I want to move better. Like, just move through the session. The weight doesn't have to be as heavy. You just go into the flow, and, and you'll notice, like,
0: it does not hamper your result in any way. Oh, yeah, definitely. And another thing that I'll tell my clients is, I don't think a lot of them are aware of this, but like the the stressors outside of the gym, whether it be the mental stress from work or you're going through a divorce or like whatever it could be, like that mental stress, that bad stress outside of the gym – will weigh on your body just like it does physical training so like if someone comes in here with a bad night's sleep and they like are on borderline about to get fired because they messed up at work or something like that and they feel just run down like i'll ask them i'll, I'll typically go like scale one to ten it'll be like you know ten being you could you know set a pr on everything that you do one is you feel like just uh you know a bag of shit like how do you feel and typically if it's anything under 5 i'll tell them like okay listen i want you to just go through the motions today like we're not going to try to set any records like literally i want everything to just feel good because if we add more physical stress on top of that mental stress that you're experiencing we're basically just going to beat you down even further and i think that's one of the things that people don't realize when they're going through their training too is like a lot of them don't listen to their bodies they're in this mindset of like oh you got to push it like you know you know no pain no gain it's like no not necessarily like if you're not giving your chance or if you're not giving your body a chance to recover through these things, like you're you're basically just going to set yourself back a little bit. So I don't know if you have a, a similar approach, or you know what you tell clients who come in and they, they basically say like I'm just not feeling it today. Like like how do you handle that?
1: Um, if they well, that's one thing that I always like to communicate with clients uh, as soon as they come in is like hey, because you know based off if they're sitting at work bad because like one of the biggest issues is like back pain. Like give an example. Yep. Like, you hear a lot of clients like, oh, you know, how I was doing yard work, or how I was driving, how I was sleeping, my back hurts. And I'm like, all right, this is not a good thing. Your back hurts. So yeah. maybe today we're just going to do exercise that could make your back feel better, mm-hmm. like just I guess that's a simple example. Or today we're going to do exercise that because the goal is at the end of, say, a session, you shouldn't feel like, oh, my God, I'm dead. I yeah. have and You should feel like, all right. I have energy. Like I feel, should feel like I work out, but I have energy to go do stuff. That's the
0: goal at the end of each session. Yes, I agree. Um, and I actually, I we had, I had a consult last night, and I I told the girl who was in here, I said, that's our goal here, is we want you to feel better when you're done your session than before you started. Because like, and I say this all the time, and it's probably like a corny analogy, but I'm like, listen, like you are training to win the war, not the battle. You know what I mean? So like you might lose a a quote unquote battle every now and then in terms of like how your training session goes and it just went awful and you felt bad, but it's okay. You just got to listen to your body. You come back on the next one, you adjust that way, you know, long term, you're still making progress because there will be days or there will be weeks where you feel awful and you regress. That's just, it happens. It's part of life. And you just have to learn how to navigate those things, how to properly adjust your intensity, your volume, your exercise choices so that you continue to feel good on a regular basis. Cause that's really what training should be about. You know what I mean? Um, other best practices. Do you have any off the top of your head or do you want yeah, me to go? Yeah, so um, like one of the things I like to do with my clients and this is something I
1: communicate with them very early is so we do four-week cycles in terms of like programming before we move move on is typically the first two weeks of the programming is a little bit lower intensity and I communicate this that I want it to be a little bit lower intensity because coming out the previous month, Last two weeks are always a little bit more intense, so we want to make sure like the body gets enough recovery. Right. So that's always something like from month to month because we're not just training for today; we're training for the whole year. And also, another thing I will tell them is, after we do that for a few months, I will literally tell them, "Hey, for X on this month coming up, this whole month is going to be pretty much like a deload month," and that is something that is crucial where the body kind of needs that reset. Yeah. And then,
0: So how often do you uh, program deloads? Is it every couple months? Is it every couple weeks? Or is it kind of like a client-by-client basis? Uh, It is a client-by-client basis. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of what I – again, the answer is it depends. So if anyone ever asks you a question for fitness, the answer is it depends. Um, In terms of other best practices, I know one that I have, and I think we've already kind of touched on this, is basically just like stick with it. Um, and it, it comes down to just consistency being the best thing for you. Just, I mean, honestly in life, but especially when it comes to health and fitness. So like, you know, if you're not seeing results after two weeks of your new program, like relax, calm down, stick with it for another two weeks. Um, what are your thoughts about that? Agree? Disagree? I mean, I think it's very hard to see
1: as much result in two weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, As I say, Rome was not built in one day. (laughs) It's very true. Uh, I think if you're like starting a new program, it shouldn't be like a week, two weeks, or a month. It should be like, all right, how much can I achieve in three months or how much can I achieve in six months? I think that's a realistic goal.
0: Right. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. And I guess now that you said that and it kind of like sparked a thought in me, I think another best practice for most people is like you should always kind of have the long term in mind. I think too many people will approach their fitness with the short term in mind. Like I want to achieve goals by next week, or I have a wedding in 21 days and I need to get ready for it. Well, the best way to get ready for, you know, that wedding in 21 days is to build a time machine, go back six months and then start working out at that point. Um, it's just like, I feel like we live in an instant gratification, just, like way of life you know amazon prime you buy something it's to your door the next day unfortunately health and fitness are not like that and you need to kind of you know keep at it um and realize there's going to be ups and downs but the long term everyone's in this for the long term like i know people have goals and they want to look good by summer and they want to look good for that class reunion that they have coming up but like god's honest truth we all want to feel good and look good into like our later years like i don't know about you but i still want to be able to like move around and play with my grandkids and i don't want to have to rely on someone to take care of me when i'm 75 years old like i want to be that old dude Who's like still kicking ass and taking names and people are looking at me and they're like oh look at chris like you know he's he's in pretty good shape for 75 like he looks like he's you know 60 or something like that like that that's how i approach things i don't know if you're the same way i, know, or I completely agree with that
1: yeah just working with a few older clients uh when i just started in the fitness industry like that opened my eyes of like
0: wow um i need to change how i work out and like why i work out right yeah And it is eye-opening too because like obviously we do what we do and we see a lot of people who are very invested in their health, very um, invested in their fitness and how they are able to perform as a person. And like I know people in here who are in their late 50s, in their 60s, in their 70s, and they look great and like they have no issues and whatnot. And then like, you know, uh, outside of this facility, I also know people who are in their late 50s, 60s, 70s, and it is a completely different picture, and it really is kind of like what you said. It's eye opening when you're just like, man, like the quality of life of what you could have is so much different if you just put in that little bit of work, like now. You know what I mean? Like, I, it's it's no. it's tough to just envision as a twenty year old, like, oh, you know, I'm not thinking about what I'm gonna feel and look like when i'm 50 you know what i mean it's it's true and,
1: and like one of the things uh that's kind of crazy and like i you know i'm in early 30s and i know a lot of people that i grew up with and some of the people that i've you know seen who have not taken fitness as seriously it's like we look 10 15 years apart and yeah. it's like in terms of like how we're moving and it's like you're putting yourself in a situation that's not the best right because I, I know at some point they're going to be like, wow, I need to actually get my fitness in order. And right. working with clients every day, that is not an easy thing to
0: start, like especially at that age. Yeah. Yes. Sir. And unfortunately, at least in my experience, is that point of realization happens way too late for too many people. It's is like they'll wait till they're 60 and they're like, oh, my God. I have high blood pressure, and I'm overweight, and I have knee pain, and I have this, and they're like, oh, I, I wish I would have started when I was like 35. You know what I mean? And it's just tough because I don't think a lot of people think like that. You know, it's and I, it's same thing, I, I, I with an, an investing analogy, like, you know, right now, 99% of people wished they would have invested in Amazon in 2000, because we'd all be bazillionaires right now. It's kind of the same thing with your health and fitness. Like I wish I had invested in a little bit of strength training and a little bit of consistency in my 20s in my 30s. So by the time I'm 50 years old, 60 years old, I'm in a much better place. So like to all you 20 year olds listening to this podcast, start investing in yourself right now, because it'll pay off a 1000 times over. When you're a little bit older, but even if you're still older right now, say you're 45 and you're listening to this, it's not too late. It's never too late. So your body will always adapt and always change to the demands and the stresses that you place on it. So even if you're 55 and you're like, you know, I I don't think it's, it's just too late for me. It's really not. You got 30 years left in the tank. There's plenty of time to still make positive changes, build up a little consistency and basically just you know take your body to what it's capable of for the most part but uh yeah that's a that's a good point um any other best practices that you have or you recommend for uh clients when it comes to their their programming and how they approach it um i think uh well th- this could be a whole podcast by
1: itself but i th- also think like nutrition is uh one of the biggest things that uh clients need to have a look at in terms of
0: that will help with how
1: they perform during a session.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That could be three podcasts in and of itself. Um but yeah, you're 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 not wrong. Um so I I will try to keep this brief just cuz we're running up on an hour already. But when it comes to nutrition and their programming, what are the basics that you're telling clients to help them perform at their peak level? Well, you know there's a lot of clients who think
1: eating carbs is bad well that's one thing i'm going to say is that is something you need in your diet (laughs) no matter uh you need that um you will not be able to function properly without carbs like it is carbs is actually really good for you uh the biggest thing like you know from my experience that i see is clients don't eat enough they think they're eating too much carbs but then i look at their diet and i'm like you don't eat enough food yeah um The thing is you just need to probably – most clients need to add a a little bit more protein in their diet, Mm -hmm. Um, especially after their workout. doesn't have to be right away, but at some point, like add it throughout their day. Um, And I think just enjoy where you feel replenished. I think that's the goal is to – did I eat
0: and I feel replenished. Right. Yeah. Um, I was actually just talking about this with a client the other day when they were asking about like how many calories should I be eating in a day, and I it kind of got to the point where we talked about one of the biggest mistakes that I've seen people make when they're trying to lose weight, feel better, like whatever it is, achieve their health goals, is that they think they need to starve themselves, and they go down to like this 1,100 calorie per day diet, and they end up feeling very run down, they feel tired, they feel weak, and I basically tried to explain it to them, I'm like, you know, listen, if you're driving your car an hour to and an hour from work every day, you need to fill the tank with gas a little bit more. So, Like if you're strength training and you're going for long walks and you're going for cardio and whatnot, like you're burning more calories in a day. So if you're eating more, but you're still in a deficit, you're going to feel better. You're going to perform better, but you're still going to burn the fat that you want to burn in the long run. So like it always just breaks my heart. whenever. You know, you see people coming in here and they're like, you know, all right, well, what'd you eat today? And they're like, Well, you know, I had one egg for breakfast and then I had a salad with no dressing for lunch, and then for dinner, I'm gonna have half a can of tuna. And you're like, What are you doing? (laughs) Like, are you a prisoner? Are you being held captive somewhere? Why are you doing this to yourself? Um, but again, that's a that's a podcast in and of itself. Um, do you have anything that you wanna add? In terms of nutrition, just when it comes to, you know, how it'll affect and how uh, it can impact your programming? Uh, I
1: spe- for Yes. Uh, in terms of newer clients, you know, I always tell them, hey, however you're eating, I don't try to switch too much. Because I think if you try to change nutrition and working out at the same time, your body will probably get way too overwhelmed.
0: Mm-hmm. And more likely you're going to quit. Yeah, absolutely. I think they say statistically for every thing that you try to change like for everything past one thing so if you try to change two things three things four things everything that you add on top of the one thing your chances of failing are like a thousand times higher so like i try to say the same thing to clients too when we're addressing like you know fat loss and whatnot i'm like all right listen what's the one thing that you think you need to work on and then everyone always says the same thing well i need to start strength training, and i need to start eating better and i need to start sleeping better i'm like okay stop 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 i'm like pick one thing what's one thing you think you can get better at and they're like okay well i eat like a five-year-old child like all right so let's start working on that and we basically only try to change one thing at a time um and you're right, because it leads to better consistency going forward. And that's really what we're after. It's the long term, it's not the short term. Um, but I, I think that's a, a really good point. Um so we're coming up on an hour, so we'll probably wrap it up. But do you have any closing thoughts that you want to add in terms of just everything that we've talked about?
1: Um you know, one thing I'll say to clients is especially whether it's our clients or it's uh future clients is looking or just someone just listening is work on the basics like you know and take it one day at a time don't think like all right i had a bad session that was it like just hey you know what i'm gonna take it one day at a time and keep going all about the consistency, because the goal is to if i can get one percent better every day i know in a year 365 times better right
0: absolutely good stuff um i thought that was a good one today um so obviously you know same thing we said in the beginning if you guys like the podcast share it talk about it with your friends um leave a review if possible visit the website all that good stuff and then uh we will catch you guys on the next episode whenever that is because we don't plan these ahead of time so thanks for listening